On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we're dying to save the world from Project Starfish. That's right. We saw the Suicide Squad. Get your popcorn ready. Robert Dubois. He put Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. I'm not joining your damn Suicide Squad. We'll see. We failed the mission. You die. What was that? Love him or hate him. Nom nom. These are your brothers and sisters. A guy that wears a toilet seat on his head. It's not a toilet seat, it's a beacon of freedom. Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other delicious movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? I'm doing great. It's another another beautiful week. Another it's beautiful a- week, beautiful movie. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of craziness, <laughs> lots of uh, James Gunn uh, off off a leash, should we like, say? Truly off off the leash for James Gunn, and and we'll definitely get into that. But this week we have yet another brand spanking new DC Comics movie out in theaters and on HBO Max, and that is The Suicide Squad. Not to be confused with regular old Suicide Squad, uh, which is just going to be really confusing in hindsight when you're talking about these two films. Um, But this one is obviously kind of a sequel, but also the first one doesn't really matter. You know, there's carryover of characters in terms of. Amanda Waller, played by Viola Davis. Obviously, Harley Quinn, played by Margot Robbie. We have uh, Captain Boomerang coming back, played by Jai Courtney. Rick Flagg as Joel Kinnaman. But there's just not, in terms of like, is there a storyline that carries over? Not really. Um, It's pretty much just another adventure. And the stuff that happened in the original really has no bearing on this one, other than the fact that, the characters experienced it and that might make their, their lives that might enrich them as characters a little bit more. The fact that you know what they went through, but before we even get into that new, this new suicide squad, David, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on the original, on the one going back 2016 directed by David Ayer. Obviously there's been more conversation about it as we've been getting closer to this one, but how did you feel about that original Suicide Squad movie? I, I personally enjoyed it, despite the fact that I think it's a mess. I think that's pretty pretty accurate to my feelings on it. I think there was a lot of things that I enjoyed that it introduced. I liked all the, you know, I would say maybe not frontline characters that we're used to from DC and being introduced to them. And you know, just the, the bonkersness of it. I mean, DC has always had some really weird people in their comics. Like, yeah, really weird one, (laughs) like really weird characters. And so 
to get to see some of those characters, to get some that are familiar and to get to kind of explore their story. And obviously um, I wasn't a big, you know, we've, we've talked about this previously with comic book movies, neither you or I read tons of comics, but like I had heard of the suicide squad and, and what it was about. And so it, it was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting story to go down given the world that we had been in with, you know, Superman movies, Batman movies, Avengers movies, like to get kind of a anti-hero type of story was, was interesting to me. And, and so like, I enjoyed it from that aspect. I think I walked out of it being like, this could have been so much more or so much better, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that I didn't have a good time with it. Like, sure. It was, it was disappointing to some degree of like, seeing the potential and your expectations that you hoped for and it not quite reaching that, but it doesn't mean that I felt like it was bad or I didn't enjoy it or it was a waste of money or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first and foremost, the one thing that despite, and we've had these conversations, so many different episodes, you can go listen back to our Batman V Superman episodes. You can go listen back to our, Justice League episodes and things like that. Obviously, we've been talking about DC a long time, and and our general consensus is that they're just not very good at what they're trying to do. But the one thing that they are very good at is casting. Like, their casting is incredible. And that was the case for the first Suicide Squad, you know, bringing in Will Smith as Deadshot, bringing in... Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn, which is probably maybe the one of the greatest pieces of comic book casting like ever um, getting Violet Davis in there to just chew scenery uh, really enjoyable. And it's really enjoyable to see some of these off kilter characters, you know, brought to life on the big screen in in real life live action form. You know, I, I have always been somebody who likes to for Halloween do like different versions of what like Batman villains would be or something like that. And they're never, almost never, you know, an exact carbon copy from what they are in the comic books. They're all, there's some spin on them in some way, shape or form. And it's kind of cool to see that with these characters, to see characters like Deadshot brought into the real world, Killer Croc brought into the real world. Uh, even a goofy one like Captain Boomerang and and how they can translate his wacky ass costume in the comic books into something that is more tangible and believable in the uh, in these live action movies. And it's really enjoyable. And that movie is just great soundtrack. Number one, pretty, pretty darn good action. Incredible marketing. Like when they when they released that trailer, that was, I think, to uh, Queen. Like that got everybody absolutely hyped for it. But the movie is messy as hell. The, the original movie, we're still talking about the original Suicide Squad back in 2016. It's clearly chopped to hell as a story. It has basically it has two first acts that give several characters double introductions. Like literally we're introduced to Deadshot twice. We're introduced to Harley Quinn several different times. And then it puts them all together and there are some characters that get no introduction famously, you know, Oh, this here is Katana. Like, just like, Oh, we're going to throw a new character in. And then there's not even a second act. It's really just an extended third act. That's like 45 minutes long. 
And David Ayer has gone on record as saying that's not his vision. I have gone on record. And David, I'm not going to let you spew lies about me that I'm some DC Ayer cut fanboy. All right. I demand nothing. But if it happened, if they released, if, if there was whatever reasoning behind releasing the true David Ayer version of what he claims to be his suicide squad, I would absolutely watch it. But if they don't release it, I don't care. OK, and that's the difference between me and, and some of the people on the Internet. You're, you're a Snyder, bro. It's OK. Don't that's embrace just it. Disrespectful is what it is. It's just disrespectful. I'm not I'm not entitled. I feel like you have to be entitled in order to be a Snyder, bro. That's like top of the list of requirements. <laughs> How did you feel about the Joker? Honestly, this this conversation is no very little bearing on the, 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 the new Suicide Squad because the Joker's not in it. But how did you feel about Jared Leto and the Joker? Because to me, I never really had that big of a problem with it. I, I am always interested to see different interpretations of these characters. And, and we've seen so many different versions of the Joker, whether it be the Cesar Romero version back from Batman, the live action television series where he painted over his mustache and he was just kind of a, a cackling, goofy guy to Jack Nicholson's version, who's basically your killer psycho, psycho uncle, essentially, to Heath Ledger's version, which is a total anarch, anarchist kind of terrorist kind of guy. And then to Jared Leto's version, which I would have been interested in more of this version of the Joker as this kind of, you know, grimy, hip hop, flashy gangster kind of Joker I'm fine with it. I'm open to it. I'm open to seeing that interpretation. Obviously, a lot of people rejected him, but I don't know that we've ever talked about it. What were your thoughts on his version of the Joker? Well, and, and you you left out uh, our boy Joaquin Phoenix's Joker too. I did. I, Academy Award winner Joaquin Phoenix playing the uh, the maybe the Snyder Bro version <laughs> of the Joker. Well, that's disrespectful. You know I apologize. <laughs> You know, I think with Leto's Joker, it kind of was like the movie for me where it was like, I was okay with the concept. The execution was maybe lacking a little bit. Sure. In the sense of like, why do we need to bring the Joker into, into this when we're already introducing everybody to like 10 new characters? Like the Joker's been in plenty of Batman movies. Can we leave him out? And I get he was somewhat of the backstory to, to Harley's story. And so you somewhat needed him involved, but there's already a lot going on. It's a lot going on. And so I think that was more my issue than necessarily the character himself. Like I'm fine if we want to go a little bit more of like, almost like mobster style gangster style film where it's like, he's more of like, really leaning into like almost being like a crime boss or like a, you know, head of a gang type of thing where it's like, it's not so much about causing chaos and anarchy that we saw from Heath Ledger. It's more about like, I want money and I'll right. kill people. And I'm a psycho who wears clown makeup. I'm like the crown. I'm the, the clown prince of crime. Exactly. So like I was fine with that take. I mean, you know, we've had plenty of other takes, so I'm fine with a new take. I'd rather it than repurposing an existing take. Sure. But again, it felt like it was just unnecessary in that movie. So I was happy that we didn't have 
him back in this movie. While I'm fine with Jared Leto's Joker being in a future DC movie, I was happy he wasn't back in this movie. Yeah, like I, I didn't have any issues with with uh, the the his version of the Joker. I have no issues with. It's his usage in the the things that he's been in. Even his usage in Zack Snyder's Justice League is just kind of like of no consequence. We're just putting the Joker in here so that the Joker and Batman can have a scene together. And then that Batman can say, are you telling me some of the Snyder cut was just unnecessary? We're not going to relitigate this. (laughs) As a matter of fact, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to yet another fun, touchy subject, which is James Gunn um, and the journey that he's been on. You know, James Gunn from for those of you who don't know, is the writer and director of the Suicide Squad, but also the writer and director of the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. You know, he started his career as and and whatever this term means to you is fine, but kind of as a provocateur. You know, he started in this small, really indie uh, trauma entertainment, um, you know, studio making things that were gross out comedy, dark comedy, bloody, gory, gross, icky kind of stuff. And he was always somebody who pushed the line. And his his first movie back in 2006 is one of my favorite kind of creature feature horror movies, a movie called Slither that has uh, Elizabeth Banks and, um, you know, my guy, Nathan Fillion, good old Rooker shows up in it as well. But it's a gross freaking movie about alien slugs who move in and start like killing people and it's nasty and it's, it's weird and it's gross, but I kind of love it. And, and there's obviously all this drama for him. You know, there were the good old fashioned old tweets resurfaced, right? Old tweets out of context resurfaced. Uh, And I don't want to go through the whole thing again. You know, I don't want to talk about how, they resurfaced out of bad faith arguments and things like that. But Disney, you know, had to fire him from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. He kind of did his time out of the spotlight. He owned it and apologized for it. And then he got hired for this. This, You know, he got hired for this. He got re-brought back on for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. But like what, like as far as James Gunn goes, as far as and and this is kind of into non-spoilers, but it's a little more, more about James Gunn. I wasn't sure when we walked out, I wasn't sure how much of a James Gunn guy you were, right? Because I know you don't like horror movies as much as I do. I, I, I don't think you mind the gore, you know, too much. But I was curious as to, like, your thoughts as James, you know, on James Gunn as, like, a guy who likes gross, weird shit, basically. Sure. Well, I think as far as James Gunn goes, I didn't have a ton of experience with him until Guardians. Obviously, I know he did like Slither and Super and Movie 43. Um, All three of them dark as shit, weird, gross movies. (laughs) Yeah. So I didn't really watch any of those movies that I remember. And so for me, like, my history with James Gunn starts with Guardians of the Galaxy, which I love. And obviously, since then, that's pretty much all we've known him for, right? Like, the only thing he's directed 
since Guardians of the Galaxy is Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. Not that he hasn't been involved in other things, but like that's the only thing that he's directed. So mm-hmm. from that standpoint, you know, I was I was pumped for James Gunn. While I've never gone back and watched those others, I'm I'm aware of them to that degree. But like I know going into this, I was expecting, you know, something along the lines of Guardians. So something that's not quite your traditional superhero movie that is definitely weird. Um, and I think even when you saw Guardians 2, where freaking what's his name offs an entire ship with his arrow. Um, yeah, like there's never been a shortage of him killing off people either in his movies. So, you know, I expected it to be bloody. I expected it to be with him going to DC and it not being kind of in the Disney slash Marvel slash Kevin Feige controlled world that he would probably let loose a little bit. So um, I fully expected that. And DC has always been a little bit more darker, obviously darker than uh, Marvel to that degree too. So I think I had pretty solid expectations coming and I was excited. I was, I've always been, I've always enjoyed him. So going into it, I was pumped that James Gunn was doing it. Yeah. I also found it interesting that, you know, going back to the history with James Gunn, that Marvel fired him, you know, you documented why Mm -hmm. DC basically immediately hired him, said, (laughs) said, we want you to do Superman. He said, no. And so they countered with, okay, we'll pick anything in DC and do it. Like that's how bad DC wanted them. Yeah. But it also lends to, you know, and I know we'll talk about this a little bit more, but like what lack of a plan DC has in the sense that they're like, we want you to direct a movie. We don't care which movie it is. We don't care if it was part of our plans or not. Like, we just want you to direct a movie. So like, obviously they're about like, the box office making money more than necessarily like some commitment to a long form storytelling. Like we've gotten out of Marvel, which there's nothing wrong with that either, but I think it's hard to subvert your expectations to what superhero movies are after we've gotten the last, you know, chunk of time with Marvel. But I thought that was interesting. I also found it interesting that I think, and whether this is true or not, but I think Wikipedia says it was literally like the day after he signed with DC was the day that uh, that Marvel came back to him yeah. and, and offered to him to get him back on Guardians 3. Yeah, which like, the yeah, it says like the, the day after he was hired by Warner Brothers, Disney decided to reinstate Gunn as the director of, of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And I think that like, I'm excited for it. I'm excited yeah. for that, you know? And it makes total sense that this is the kind of movie that James Gunn would pick because it's just about a a group of weirdo outsiders. And that's his, that's boom. That's guardians of the galaxy. It's weirdo outsiders rising above, you know, what, what, what's expected of them. Well, in, in some cases rising above what's expected of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about the Suicide Squad. Obviously, without spoilers, you know, you can watch this movie right now on HBO Max. I would encourage you that if you can do it safely and responsibly, I would encourage you to go see it in a movie theater to support, you know, movie theaters and the movie theater experience. But how how did you like the Suicide Squad? You actually, and this isn't to bury the lead here, 
But when you and I walked out, you were a little more tepid about it. And I that's why I brought up the James Gunn thing, because I wasn't sure if it was because of like, you know, some of the gross gore, you know, things or, or whatever. But but you were a little more tepid about it. So what? how did you think? How did you uh, respond to the Suicide Squad? You know, for me, it was still a bit of chaos, like the first one to me. Sure. But it was a little bit more controlled chaos, I guess, <laughs> is the best way I could say. Like, it felt like not unlike all DC movies that we've talked about, it was still trying to do a lot and throwing a lot in there. It's true. And maybe more than it needed to. But definitely, I think if I was to rate the two movies, this one is the superior movie over the first Suicide Squad, first sure. and foremost. Yeah. Um, secondarily to that, I think, you know, one of the things that it's fantastic at is the same things that we really enjoyed out of the Guardians movies, which I think it's well-written from a dialogue standpoint. Like there's lots of fun and, and a lot of them are in the previews, which was a little bit of a downer. Like, I feel like some of the funniest moments were in the previews, but I feel like that might've almost been strategy to get people to kind of come back to it in the sure. sense of like, we get it. <laughs> no one, a lot of people hated the first suicide squad, but we've got James Gunn. This is going to be really funny. Like come back to us type of thing. Cause like, and some I'll, I'll also say, like, I think it, it was also somewhat affected by COVID and sure. from the standpoint of all these movies, we got the trailers that we were supposed to get for them and then everything stopped. Right. And then they felt like they needed to market again, but they couldn't just re-release the trailers that they had already put out. Yeah. So you had these studios coming up with new trailers, which meant you see even more of the movie. And in a movie like this means you get even more of the jokes and things like that. And so I think that contributes a little bit to us seeing more of some of that stuff. But, you know, I think overall, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I think there's times where it was too goofy, where it was trying to have an emotional moment mm -hmm. and then it like yanks you out of it with something goofy, which Guardians did. But I feel like this was really like, up, down, up, down, up, down a little bit more than even like the Guardians movies were like, you know, you'll have like things in the Guardians movies and not to just compare this to Guardians, but it's easy to with obviously James Gunn. Sure. But like you've got that moment where like Drax is sitting talking with uh, what's her name? The, with, the um, one with the antennas Mantis. or whatever. Mantis. Yeah. And just saying like, you know, having this emotional thing talking about, you know, his wife and children's. And then I think he like calls her ugly or, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, at the same time, like it wasn't like where this movie is like all of a sudden, like someone's head gets chopped off or like we get a big, like crazy alien thing pop out or, or things like that. So like, I felt like it maybe was a little, like maybe it would have benefited from someone pulling the reins in a little bit and, and editing a bit for James Gunn. Like, this felt like I've shook off the chains of Marvel and I'm just going to go nuts. And <laughs> there could have been a little bit more reigning in. Like, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a bring back the James Gunn cut of this movie because I don't know that much was cut. So no, not at all. And that's probably 
the one of the movie's biggest um, successes is that it really is truly a singular vision. You know, it is something that uh, is counter to what David Ayer went through and what Zack Snyder went through, frankly, with the whole Justice League thing. Um, and it is it is a it is a, a different tone in that the the David Ayer Suicide Squad had this like this upbeat light. You know, we're gonna have the song queen over the over the trailer and all that and then the movie itself is a little bit more dark and moody you know there's comedy here and there There, there's funny bits here and there but a lot of it is dark and moody and this one is full-blown like the reason you compare it to the guardians of the galaxy is because it does match that tone because there are tones of immense amount of serious action and violence but it's also peppered in with like violent sight gags and 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 violence that is so over the top that you can't help but laugh and you can't help but like go, oh, no, and things like that. And there's incredible sight gags, you know, Polka Dot Man in uh, in in one example that that I won't spoil here, but like there's a, 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 a like a makeup gag with him. That is right in line with the stuff James Gunn did with trauma, you know, mm-hmm. with the with the weird, just weird shit, you know, and I consider that a success. I think you're right, although I can't think and maybe we'll, when we talk spoilers, you can bring up some specific examples. I didn't think that the um, emotions ping pong ping pong the way that you said it. I, I personally didn't feel that. I didn't feel that something went from super serious to super funny. Um, I thought all the moments that it tried to be, uh, I don't know what the word is, serious or, or, or tug on the heartstrings or have some type of emotional impact, like they all worked for me. And none of them felt too much like they were pulled away. And there were a couple of moments, again, with Polka Dot Man, who I just think is probably James Gunn's favorite character. Like he gets some of the weirdest shit in the whole movie. Um, but it, for me, like it worked. And there are a couple of scenes where there it's a full blown action sequence, but it includes like funny joke type of things, whether it be in the middle of the sequence or whether it be at the end of the sequence that I actually thought they pulled off really well. You know, there's a whole sequence where a bunch of people get murdered and the and it's basically it's a, the entire thing is a joke and you don't expect it to have the punchline that it does uh, that I really enjoyed and I, I really had fun with. And the cast, again, is incredible. Obviously, you know, the people who returned, you know, the Margot Robbie and John Cena or no, uh, Joel Kinnaman and Viola Davis and, and, and Joel, uh, Jai Courtney, like they're all great. But Idris Elba's a awesome in this movie like the fact that Idris Elba this is the kind of stuff this is why I'm excited to see what Christian Bale does in the new Thor movie because this is the kind of stuff that I want to see from him where like he's in a movie and he can act but he's in on the joke and that's really fun to see from somebody like Idris Elba you know John Cena is incredible in this movie because he's basically just playing an R-rated version of his of his wrestling character which mm-hmm. I found to be the best part <laughs> uh, is that he literally is like 
he is like John Cena, the wrestling character where he's, I love America and I love freedom and I'm the good guy. But like in wrestling, John Cena would do like terrible things that were always allowed because they were done to bad guys. You know, like there was, I think, a time where like he storyline wise, like poured an entire thing of like liquid dog crap on Dolph Ziggler. And I don't care how big of a bad guy you are in the wrestling world. That's the punishment is not equal to whatever crime Dolph Ziggler created. And it's kind of almost exactly what he's doing here, except he's allowed to be R rated. So so I really like that. You had mentioned some of the editing as well in terms of like it does play with time a little bit. Is that what you were talking about in the way that like it does jump back a little bit? It jumps forward. It has these little asides. Yeah. You know, I think as I walked away from it, it didn't, it didn't bother me as much. Um, but I do think, I think it was more of accumulation, like, right. Like it wasn't that doing the jump back and forth, like we're going to go to a point in the story, then go eight, you know, three days earlier, whatever sure. it was, three weeks earlier, whatever it was, or the fact that we are going to go and then go eight minutes backwards like that. I have no problem with. We've seen that in movies before. You know, I enjoy, you know, not just straight line storytelling. So I've got no problem with that. I think it's adding that into everything else that it was doing that like it was just another thing. So sure. that's where it felt like at times it was maybe doing too much. Like we're trying to really get into Harley's story and her character development and, you know, where she's going and things like that. But then we're also going to try to go Idris Elba. And like, I think it's also hard at times with, with carrying in the, the baggage from the previous movie of not like thinking back to how those characters, that character was in there. And then also thinking like, uh, is it bloodshot or blood sport? Blood Sport, Idris Elba. Yeah, Blood, Blood Sport. sport. Bloodshot right. is Vin Diesel. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot of these, so I, I apologize. It's true. But uh, Blood Sport, like, it's hard not to compare how similar his like intro and storyline has, you know, some parallels to that of Deadshot and Will oh. Smith and things like that. So we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to talk about that in spoilers because it's. Yeah, it's kind of like obviously Will Smith was originally supposed to be in this movie and and couldn't. Yeah. But the 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 difference the differences are tenuous at best. Yeah. And so that's where it's like I think it just was when you sum it all up, I really enjoyed the movie, but like again, I feel like if we could have just edited a, a few things, like I feel like it would have been a whole lot more successful, but it was a lot of fun. And I mean, when we get into spoilers, we can talk about all the characters that showed up, but one of the things that I love that they did. And the whole reason I was excited for the su first suicide squad, like we talked about earlier was DC just has so many villains and bad guys that we never see like DC for whatever reason has always just done Joker Riddler Two-Face. All like of it. The Rogue's Penguin, Gallery. Penguin. We're just going to do like these four or five villains over and over and over again. You know, finally you had like Christopher Nolan do Scarecrow, which was a departure. But then we get Joker for the second one. Right. And yes, we got Bane, which Bane wasn't as mainstream um, in the movies, especially. But like, 
now we're getting like everything from like polka dot man to like the javelin and like all these different characters that like i guarantee you 95 percent of the people that walk into the theaters never even knew that was a real character and the best part is they all absolutely are real characters that had comic book stories it's incredible it's incredible and it really is the perfect use for it i've always thought that like i said i always love seeing the live action interpretations of these characters right but polka dot man is not gonna ever be the main villain of any movie ever you know and there are other ones Calendar Man is never going to be the main villain of a movie anywhere. They're just not that interesting. But I always liked what The Dark Knight did, uh, which is, you know, we're going to have Batman take on a bad guy at the very beginning and take him out easily. And The Dark Knight did it with Scarecrow. Like, oh, Scarecrow's still around lurking and Batman's got to do cleanup. Like, that kind of stuff always interested me. And so for these superhero movies, like, it, it makes a ton of sense to where... I'm going to and they kind of did it with the last Amazing Spider-Man movie. They didn't really do it very well, but they kind of did it with the last Amazing Spider-Man movie where like the opening scene was him taking down the rhino. And then the closing scene was him taking down the rhino. But the rhino was not going to be the full you know, villain of the movie. I mean, they can barely make Electro the full villain of the movie. So it's maybe not the perfect example. But I love that we get to see versions of these characters. I love that we're going to see cosplay versions of this. I'm already trying to think of how I can pull off a King Shark costume. Like, I just love it. I think it's cool. I think it just opens up the creativity and the possibility to see it happen. But I definitely want to talk more spoilers. But we got to give our popcorn ratings for the Suicide Squad first. What's that noise? Popcorn. Now, if you've never listened to an episode before, our popcorn ratings are a little bit different. We don't give stars. We don't give thumbs up. We have our popcorn scale. Burnt popcorn means a movie is trash. Don't waste your time with it. Even if it's free, throw it out. There's no value to it at all. Stale popcorn is like, eh, you really shouldn't. But if you're desperate, then I guess you can watch it. Maybe you'll find some fun in it. Microwave popcorn is middle of the road. It's fine. It's just like microwave popcorn. Some people might really enjoy it. Some people might find it very unsatisfactory. Your mileage may vary when it comes to microwave popcorn. Movie theater popcorn is you should probably go see this in a movie theater at some point in time. You might not have to rush for it, and you should definitely do it safely. But it would be worth it. It would be worth your investment to go see it on a big screen. And then... Perfect popcorn is see this movie as soon as you can on the biggest screen possible. And anytime we're ever in the middle, we throw a soda in there as like our version of a half star. So, David, for the Suicide Squad, what is your popcorn rating? I am giving it. I am giving it movie theater popcorn. So I enjoyed it. It was far from perfect. But I think if you go in with the expectations of this is a. James Gunn movie. It's a DC movie and it's going to be weird and it's going to be <laughs> all over the place. I think it's, it's a good time. And I'm glad, especially glad that I saw it on the big screen. I know we can stream it and we're always advocates for going and seeing it in the theater, but uh, this is what I like to watch in the movie theaters. Like sure. I'll rewatch it at home and that, but like, this is, this is why we enjoy going to movies, seeing big stars, seeing big explosions, seeing big effects uh, and just having a good time with it. So I, I enjoyed it. Definitely messy. 
<laughs> both literally and figuratively, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think, you know, it's weird because by definition, this is like movie theater popcorn. Like it literally is your mileage may vary. This is not for everybody. The violence, the jokes, the stuff like that. It's it's definitely not for everybody. And yet I'm giving it perfect popcorn because I had an absolute wow. blast with it. I I did. I loved it. I I did not have some of the same similar shortcomings that you did. Not that you had many. I mean, movie theater popcorn ain't nothing to sniff at perfectly respectable but i just love this movie i loved everything about it the entire package the performances the i'm a sucker for violence so the more violence i can get the better king sharks in the movie so not only do i get regular violence i get shark violence which is one of my favorite forms of violence uh, i love the action i love the how the characters are weird like polka dot man or heartfelt like Ratcatcher 2 or badass like Bloodsport. Like it, it really does do a, a really fun balance. And I just think James Gunn's a really interesting filmmaker. You know, I think that he doesn't do things in a normal way. And I think that's something that should be celebrated more than anything. So I am giving the Suicide Squad perfect popcorn for me. And we got to talk some spoilers, but obviously we want to give you the opportunity to bow out when you can. Now is your time. We are talking spoilers after this quick break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of the Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider Becoming a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, PopcornDietPodcast.com. Let's get back to it. All right, David, we're back. Let's talk spoilers for a little bit here. Uh, I kind of want to, so I, I, I made a note when we were talking about Will Smith and Idris Elba here. I love what Idris Elba did as Bloodsport. I think that he's a cool enough character, and I think they did a really good job of bringing like his skill set to the screen. The fact that he has all of these different things that can be built into weapons and has all of these different backup weapons and things like that. His his origin story is taken directly from the comics as a character who shoots Superman with a kryptonite, kryptonite bullet. But let's just talk about the similarities. Number one. <laughs> He's a he's a mercenary who shoots people and he Check. doesn't and he doesn't miss. Check. Num number two. I know this is a surface level thing. He's black. Check. Number three. He's got a daughter. Check. Number four. Like he has a problem with authority, doesn't want to be a leader. Check. It's Check. it's literally <laughs> dead shot. And and I appreciate and respect that they made the effort to change it because there was scheduling conflicts with Will Smith. He couldn't do it. He couldn't come back for it. So uh, there were all these rumors that Idris Elba was going to replace him as, as Deadshot. 
And everyone was like, no, no, no. He's going to play a completely different character. And while that is true, we're not very far off from Deadshot. <laughs> like, we're, we're just not. We're not. And, and like you said, this was a new character for me. I didn't know a whole lot about him. So, like, I'm all for finding a new character. But it's you, you have him play basically the same role in, yeah. the, in the group as what Deadshot did in the previous one literally and it's and it's just it's it's difficult from that standpoint and again it's it's kind of nitpicky obviously this movie was not intended to be a sequel although it is a sequel and it's and, and it works it, it's not it's not aggressively you know yeah and it's not like we tell the exact same story that we did with the previous one but you know it it, it was one of the the things that you're like man like it takes away from it just a tiny bit that like we feel like we basically gave him a, a different name, but made him basically the same character, like yeah. had him had him play the role of a legit different character. It wasn't like they made up some fake character. This is a legit character from the comic books, but we're basically going to give him the same storyline and character arc as Will Smith and Deadshot in the last movie. And listen, and and we'll talk about this a little bit more. But if that means we can get a Bloodsport Deadshot team up in another Suicide Squad movie, there let's go. go. Let's go. You tell me right now that you put Idris Elba and Will Smith in a movie, and that movie isn't gonna, you know, put butts in the seats. I don't know. I think it'd be pretty good. Um, let's talk about some of our favorite parts, man. I loved, you know, you talked about the editing and whatnot. And, and yeah, like this movie does jump around a little bit. There's like a, you know, a few days earlier, you know, eight minutes earlier. There, there does that a couple of times. I think one of the most clever things that this movie does is that it basically has a, in a, a completely fake first act. Like yeah. it, it has a completely fake first act where Michael Rooker playing a character called Savant, who I literally have no idea like what their powers, what his powers even are. Um, is treated as like the main character. Like he's the one who we're first introduced to. He's the one who's being brought onto the squad. And we're introduced to, to this whole team of people that are almost immediately destroyed and done so in various, very, very violent ways. And then we see that Waller had them all as decoys to uh, bring on the, the second squad. So literally the first squad was quite literally a suicide squad. Mm -hmm. And we lose, I mean, we lose some big hitters there. We lose, obviously we lose all the small guys. Like Pete Davidson's character's face gets blown off first. You know, Savant gets his head blown off by, by the bomb in his head. Nathan Fillion shows up just to have like the dumbest superpower ever where his arms, like he can detach his arms and use them and, <laughs> Uh, I think the biggest surprise is that uh, they like Boomerang, Captain Boomerang, who was actually all kind of a breakout character in the first movie, just gets shredded mm -hmm. in this movie, uh, just gets like literally less than 10 minutes in. And all of the characters like, well, not all, but like half of the characters are dead. Uh, yeah, and I, so, just, I thought that was clever. So, so first group was Savant, Michael Rooker's character. Yep. Blackguard, which was Pete Davidson's character. Yep. Uh, TDK, which stands for the detachable kid. The detachable kid. Um, you had 
Sean Gunn playing Weasel, which yep. was literally a weasel. Um, and then you had Gun- Gunter Braun, a.k.a. the Javelin, so uh, former so Olympic athlete who wields javelins as weapons. Absolutely. I'm here for it. Uh, then you had Mongol, who was an alien mass murderer. Right. And then Captain Boomerang. And then you also had in that group uh, Harley Quinn and, and, and Rick Flag. So you had that group as the first suicide squad. They almost give it. It's almost a similar intro to what we got in the first suicide squad that we get for that group. Right. Uh-huh. It's kind of like, let's get the crew together type of yeah. intro. Yeah. And, and so that was, it, it, it was a fun opening. I mean, like you said, I think boomerang boomerang was a little bit surprising to see go right out the gate, but here's my question to you. We, we end up with, that was the first group. So we end up with two of those people, which would be Rick flag and, uh, and Harley, Harley Quinn. Yeah. But then we get, King Shark, we get Peacemaker, John Cena character. Mm-hmm. We get Bloodsport. Yep. And we get uh Polka Dot Man and Rat Polka Dot Man too. and Rat Catcher too. Yep. So my question to you, which group would you have preferred to watch a whole movie? Obviously, we got a whole movie for right. the, the second group. But would you have preferred the first group be the group that we follow all the way through? I think it so I think if you wanted to make a full blown comedy, like following the first group was probably going to work because. There are just. Too many useless like this is nonsense <laughs> that you even exist as a character, as a person, even though, as you said, every single one of these characters is real. Yep. It just makes that that's I think what's also so clever is that, of course, the first squad would be the one to get sent in and get killed. Literally, one guy's whole deal is he throws boomerangs. How is that going to be useful? You know, and it makes sense that the second squad is a former, you know, special forces soldier, two former special soldiers, you know, with, you know, Bloodsport and Peacemaker, which also, again, credit to. James Gunn just being smart and meta with it, but like they literally Amanda Waller literally says they both have the same backstory and it's like, we're hiring a group of unique individuals and blood sports. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said unique individuals. He's literally the same thing as me. Like, and that's hilarious. So like, it makes sense that those two guys would lead that squad. King shark makes sense because he's just the tank, you know, Mm -hmm. um, poke out man for as dumb as he is, his powers are, are useful. You know, mm-hmm. th- th- he's a not non-powerful character. And the same thing is true with Ratcatcher, too. Like, it's one of those things where it seems dumb, but those are actually useful powers. Like, being able to summon an army of rats is not unuseful. Yeah. So, like, that's what I loved is that these characters that were in the, the squad, too, that was the real squad, you could, you know, conceivably say, like, these are the most useful characters. Meanwhile, like, literally... The whole, like javelin's whole thing is he throws a javelin. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even get to throw it. He literally gets riddled with bullets. But the javelin's a key storyline throughout the whole movie. Harley Quinn trying to figure out why she needs the javelin, which is even more amazing. Like we're going <laughs> to take this stupid character. We're going to kill him. And yet it's still going to resonate in the movie somehow. 
I do. I do. I do think that putting that team together like that is the funnier of the two. But I also love the idea that James Gunn was like, I want to just murder these characters. And DC was like, yeah, we don't have any plans for him. Go for it. You know, yeah. like that the crew was full kid. Like, yeah, go that ahead. That crew was hilarious. I would have been fine if we let them live like 20 minutes longer and we got a little bit more comedy of that group because I, I was just here for it. I, I was here for it. What some of my favorite moments or you know, probably some of my favorite moments of the movie are from that beginning opening scene, <laughs> like the dialogue on the, the helicopter, the intro to all of them. You know, I'm a sucker for a goofy German that yep. loves a javelin. Yep. You know, I was here for it. Flugelborg so, is is low key hilarious. Yeah, it was it it was great. And and while I was sad to see them go, it was, and I think that was why I think that part was one of the more memorable because obviously that's one of the surprises of the movie. Yeah, and. So all the marketing can't give away that, like, even though we got to meet some of them in some of the marketing and trailers, like they obviously can't give away that all of them die (laughs) minutes into the movie. And so I think that also has to do with somewhat like I talked about in the non-spoilers about how, you know, one of my disappointments was that some of the really funniest parts of the movie were in the trailer um, you know, some of the really funny dialogues in the trailer, some of those things are in there. Yeah. But all of that opening scene, for the most part, we didn't get, uh, which was just a lot of fun. Like, I don't know that we even saw that javelin man, that javelin was in the movie from the, from the trailer. So, right. um, yeah, it, I just, it's, it's, it's a fun group. You know, I think the door's open if uh, if James Gunn wants to do a prequel to this where this group actually does an actual mission. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like the door is definitely open. I was looking at the posters and stuff because one of the things I really appreciated was obviously if you look at the trailer within context, like you can tell like, okay, you know, some of these people aren't here during this scene. Some of these people are here during that scene. But like like I'm looking at the posters right now. And for the most part, a lot of the original like marketing either it's an individual character poster or it has the entire squad. It isn't, it isn't until literally the two, I think main theatrical posters where it just has squad two on it. Like it just has Bloodsport, peacemaker, Rick flag, Harley Quinn, polka dot man, rat catcher, King shark. And, and it's, it's all right there. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not, the, it was just really, I just think it's really clever how the marketing, yep. The marketing is like, oh, you don't know who's going to die or who's going to live. But yet also the marketing, prim- primarily the, the main theatrical poster is marketing the characters that are around the longest. So I really like that. I thought that was really clever. I just love the violence. Um, it's just fun. I don't know why it's so fun, but it's fun. Every time King Shark eats a dude, I'm in like King Shark literally rips a guy in half vertically, which is incredible. You know, he bites a dude's head off the polka dot man. His polka dots literally melt people. And I just am here for it. I I, I don't know. Maybe I'm psycho. The, but. The, the one thing I didn't understand, you know, and this is nitpicking a movie that has literally a character named King Shark, who is a shark man. Yes. And a character named Polka Dot Man who shoots polka dots. <laughs> apparently like alien de- alien matter that's Inter, inside inter, of him interdimensional matter that's he what has, it was he has yeah. an interdimensional virus 
Yeah. So regardless, I, the thing that I don't quite understand is we're led to believe that like, apparently shark man's skin can't be penetrated by bullets. Like Mm -hmm. sharks can be penetrated by bullets. So it's true. It's, you know, maybe we need more of a backstory of why his skin is so hardened um, to some degree, but (laughs) apparently he's just resilient. (laughs) That's true. But Uh, no, he, he obviously it's going to be compared so much to Groot because you get, you know, kind of this cute, funny, like dumb character, right? In the sense that that's what we got in Guardians, and then he introduces Baby Shark, like or uh, Shark into this. We didn't get a Baby Shark. Maybe we'll get that in the next one. We didn't, but he also like credit where credits due. James Gunn came out and said like we didn't try to make him cute. We actually went away from the things that typically make people make characters cute. You know, you you look at Baby Groot and you look at like Baby Yoda, for example. And they have big eyes and small mouths. And King Shark mm-hmm. is the opposite. You know, it's a tiny head with smaller eyes and a gigantic mouth, but it just works. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, we carry in everything that we have from other movies and, and things like that. And I think it's the kind of the the uh, the story that he gives them, though, is what makes him endearing to you. Right. Like the right. idea of like, I don't have any friends and like all that kind of stuff and like. It's uh, it, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I enjoyed him as much as I enjoyed Groot, but um, he was a lot of fun. I, I definitely enjoyed King King well, Shark. St- Stallone just crushes the voice, and there's not much asked of him, you know, to be fair. But yeah. like, he just crushes the voice, which is incredible. So I love that. Uh, I just really enjoy like the fact that they brought Starro in. Like Starro is the is a gigantic starfish, gigantic alien starfish that you you'd never like you. They're not doing Starro for freaking Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. Like that's not happening. But the fact that they brought Starro in and did the star zombie face things and all of that, like, again, it is really cool. And that ending the whole sequence where Jotunheim, you know, collapses and Starro gets out and they're just like, all right, F it, we're done. But then they turn back to decide to do the right thing. I know we've been talking about this lately, but my man, John Murphy with the score Mm -hmm. elevates that to such a level where literally my favorite, like three tracks on the soundtrack are those sequences. It's when the squad turns back. It's when the squad fights Starro. And then it's when she calls the rats at the end. And again, like that was another example of where I was like, they're doing this whole thing. She's calling in this army of rats. All of this weird, disgusting shit is happening. Harley Quinn literally jumps into the eyeball and floats around in the eyeball. The rats are literally eating this thing from the inside. And yet the music is so uplifting and Ratcatcher, there's a scene earlier in the film where, where Bloodshot or Bloodsport is literally like, I'm going to get you out of here. And she's like, I'm going to get you out of here. And that car- that calls back to where she's got his, her arm over him. She's holding up the, the Ratcatcher beacon because he's scared of rats, which is incredible. And then it cuts to Taika being in the movie for a couple of seconds, which we haven't talked about yet. Like, 
I think this is literally the floor of Taika usage. Any lower, <laughs> any lower than this is useless. But like he shows up for two scenes, one of which he doesn't even have dialogue in. And the one that he does is like really well inserted for like that little gut punch of like why rats, you know, you know, because no, nobody thinks of them, but they can do great things or whatever. I don't remember the quote. But then it cuts to Ratcatcher 2, like, crying. And I'm like, son of a bitch, James Gunn. Like, you got me in this goofy movie where John Cena is talking about, you know, <laughs> talking about uh, how he would go down on an entire beach just so, you know, America would be safe. Like, this goofy-ass movie got me. And I'm just like, you tricky bastard. And I really appreciated it. <laughs> um, I don't think we have time to talk about like who could be in the next Suicide Squad. Suffice it to say, you can look up the list of Suicide Squad members. A lot of, a lot of really interesting ones. You know, there's, there's. Are yeah. you con- are you concerned that we wasted Javelin Man, the Javelin, without <laughs> using him more? When are we getting the Javelin spinoff is what I want to know. Where's the Javelin spinoff? Can we get a Javelin origin story? I have to answer that. I do not feel as if we lost an opportunity with Javelin. I just got to put that on record. But like we have like there, just there's just some like the goofiest names. Like there's major disaster, the star spangled kid. But there's also like, you know, uh, Killer Frost is a significant character on the Flash TV show, you know, that sure. she could be legit. Poison Ivy could be legit. Um, there's a lot. And that's one thing that I think the Flash show has done really well is like use its rogues gallery to, to varying degrees of success. But like you could pull from that rogues, rogues gallery. James Gunn himself actually tweeted a list of characters that weren't originally or that were originally in his script. I actually give me a second to pull this up. Well, but here, here, here are the ones that I hope we we get. You pull that up. I will find the list that he had of kite, unused ones. Kite Man, of course. Kite Fantastic. Man who, kite Man is amazing in the Harley Quinn um, cartoon on HBO Max. It's R-rated. See? It's it's vulgar. It's violent, but it's awesome. Paste Pot Pete. He was uh, once an award-winning chemist. Unfortunately, he invented super strong glue course and decided on a life of crime come on who doesn't want to see someone shooting glue i'm in crazy quilts fantastic uh lady stilt man like i'm not i'm not sure where to go with that one like what are we doing (laughs) condiment king come on who doesn't want to see condiment king on on the big screen usually shooting ketchup and mustard but sometimes he also shoots hot sauce uh, the walrus it. would be kind of a uh, a similar to King Shark. Doesn't uh, he actually has super powers? He's strong and tough, and because of his walrus qualities, he can hold his breath underwater for a long time. Of course, he'd be a, he'd be a good part of a crew. Anytime you got to deal with some uh, underwater stuff, Killer Moth, incredible, like. And, and these are just some of the ones. There's still more out there as so, far as crazy ones. Here's the list that he tweeted. And what was cool is he tweeted comic book images for it. 
but he tweeted out and you can go find it. Go follow James Gunn on Twitter and you can find out some of his other ideas. I'm not going to explain every single one of these, mostly because I don't know them. But he considered Livewire. He considered Punch and Julie. He considered Black Spider. He considered Deathstroke. And you can actually see there's some behind the scenes shots of where Deathstroke um, was in some concept art. So Deathstroke was really, really close to being in here. Man Bat, which is a, a Batman villain who's literally like Man Bat. He's a giant Batman freak of nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, Plastique, Chemo. Chemo's a really cool one because he's basically like a sentient um, toxic waste experiment gone gone bad. Uh, KG Beast, Solomon Grundy, who's one of my favorite zombies in like ever. Uh, the Rainbow Creature, Gunhawk, and Knockout. So that was a, an interesting list of what uh, of what could have been. So, And then the question uh, is, go for it. I was going to say some other favorite ones of okay. mine that are just out of there. Egg foo. <laughs> giant, giant egg. Um, unfortunately, he was very r- racist, but they've uh, <laughs> since turned him around. Apparently, he was a longtime foe of Wonder Woman. Maybe maybe if James Gunn takes on the next Wonder Woman movie, we'll get egg foo. Maybe uh, snow flame, Mansoor Mala and the brain. Uh I, I'm not making up these. The Fisherman, no. Mr. Mind, Psycho Pirate, Catman, The Brotherhood of Dada, uh, Onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia is actually one that Kevin Smith created. There's a fun fact. Blue Snowman. I don't even like. The Extremists, Co- Codpiece. I mean, we're, we've got. Where there is no shortage of weird people we can introduce to the suicide spot. No, there's no shortage. We can bring all types of lunatics in here, uh, which is really exciting. But again, like going back to the what's in the future for the for the DC, you know, extended universe or, or what have you, you know, they're doing a couple of they're doing a couple of things, you know. Obviously, we're waiting for the Batman to come out. At, you know, Matt Reeves made the Batman with a, you know. Robert Pattinson, all those really excited for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rock is making Black Adam, which eventually I have to imagine is going to cross over with Shazam. But we're getting another Shazam. They're filming it right now. Shazam Fury of the Gods. They're filming a new Aquaman. They're filming Flash right now. They're making a lot of movies. There's three DC movies in production right now. And that doesn't even include some of the other things that we're getting kind of announcements about. They're making a Batgirl movie for HBO Max exclusively. That is directed by the guys who directed Bad Boys for Life. Very Mm. interested there. Um, They're making a Blue Beetle movie for HBO Max, which is uh, he's a Latino superhero. He's one of the kind of one of the first like, you know, legitimate Latino superheroes out there. You got like Emerald Fennell is working on their Zatanna movie. You got Supergirl who is going to show up in The Flash. Michael Keaton, Batman going to show up in The Flash. The Flash is going to be wild. I'm really excited to see what happens with the flash, but there's just, there's all kinds of possibilities. You know, they wanted to make a green lantern core movie there. Odds are they're going to make a Joker sequel. You know, there there's just, just, do you, do you believe the rumor that they're going to make a black Hawk movie with Steven Spielberg directing? No, I don't even know that. <laughs> what is that? Where did you even get that? No, not a chance in <laughs> I'm selling <laughs> I could not be 
more out on that take. I'm not, I have, I'm buying no, there's just, no, that's nonsense. No, I'm not <laughs> going to justify it. They said the, the word is, so after directing Ready Player One for Warner Brothers, the studio convinced Steven Spielberg to remain in house at least to potentially make the superhero movie debut. The project is Blackhawk based on the DC comic of the same name revolved around a team of ace pilots during World War II. To be fair, this is less superhero movie than comic book movie. And when initially announced, all we know for sure is Spielberg is going to produce the film with the possibility of directing. Okay. You're selling? I'm walk- Still selling? I'm, 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 no, I'm going to walk back a little bit. <laughs> for, for, for one major reason is that this was in Variety. Like this wasn't like some comic book, you know, blog. Like this is Variety. And also, it's not like it's, oh, Spielberg to direct film adaptation of DC's Black Hawk. It's basically like Red Tails, man. It's basically <laughs> like, a, it's not really a comic book movie. Like, it's it's a comic book movie, sure, but it's a World War II movie, you know? It's a, it, it's it's not a superhero movie. It's different. I have no idea. It probably <laughs> won't happen. The, the the You could pave the streets with movies that Spielberg wanted to do and never did. But if Spielberg's doing something, I'm going to be there. I don't give a shit what it is. Um, it's exciting. And listen, I think we're just over the... F- I personally, and David, I think you probably shared this sentiment, but obviously don't let me speak for you if I'm wrong. I'm fine with whatever DC wants to do. Like, they, they, like they clearly do not have the plan that Marvel has. They do not have the structure that Marvel has. And yet, if they keep making good quality individual movies, like I'll show up for them, man. Like I'm, I'm interested in them. Uh, what that's going to do to their overall longevity and success is a completely different story. You know, this movie didn't make a ton of money, and a lot of people are writing articles about what went wrong and whatever. And it's like, listen, we live in this weird time where everything is up and up for grabs, and my grasp on uh, <laughs> my, my grasp on not freaking out is tenuous at best. Mm. And the fact of the matter is, is the Suicide Squad is a really fun movie. It's a really well-made movie. And it's a really great movie. And some of the best movies ever made didn't make any money. And that, that's got to be okay. Sure, do unique movies like this making money influence others to, to continue to make these movies? Absolutely. But box office returns aren't anything anymore, especially now that the Delta variant's still raging out there and we have all these streaming services and we're in the midst of this weird transition. Suicide Squad is good stuff. And, and if we can get more movies like that, I'm for it. But I'm not going to... I just I just don't think that we have any level of consistency in the world to be able to look at box office numbers the way that we used to. You know, 30 million opening while we're it's still in the throes of a global pandemic ain't bad, in my opinion. But... I'm not a box office expert. You know, I'm just a guy running a podcast with his friend. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you. Are you you in for more DC? Yeah. You know, I've never not been in for DC. Some of them have not been great, but I'll still go see them. I mean, got to do something. <laughs> that's a glowing, that's a glowing, uh, <laughs> a glowing review of of the DC comic book extended universe, whatever. There's worse ways to spend a couple hours. There are worse ways to spend a couple of hours. You know, my nose could be gushing blood. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that will do it for this episode. Before we go, I want to remind everybody that you can get free episodes sent to you just by hitting the subscribe button or hit that follow button. So take a second, hit that button, give us a rating, write us a review, and share us with your other good movie buddies. Also, don't forget to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Consider becoming a patron of an independent film podcast when film desperately needs our support right now. That's patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the popcorn diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your best, very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson. We'll see you next time with another good movie on the popcorn diet. Adios.